May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. All right, all right. Well, good morning to everyone. Good to see you all here as we uh, have our first uh, Sunday in Lent. And, um, you know, we had a, a great launching for um, this, uh, this season there with uh, Shrove Tuesday and, and with Ash Wednesday. Um, I had, my, my, I had a, a revelation on, on Shrove Tuesday. It seems that I have missed out on the fact that there exists in the world maple sausage. Candy and sausage in one. I mean, it was a revelation. I couldn't stop. There's some in the freezer there at the parish hall, and during the week I've been stopping by the freezer and just like grabbing one. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a candy bar and it's sausage. It's just great. So, um, but that was Shrove Tuesday, and then we had Ash Wednesday, and um, wonderful services here, a wonderful sermon by uh, Mother Meredith, and I, I was blessed to go over to, um, to Bay Woods and deliver ashes uh, over there to some of our um, seniors, including uh, Mary Ferris, who is 101 years old, um, so, so that was a blessing, I believe. Your deacon in training, Chip, you were at um, Anne Arundel Medical Center? Right? Walking the halls, giving ashes out. Said there were more, more people with ashes than without, it seemed. Um, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful beginnings of this time of, um, of Lent, of, of prayer, of fasting, charity, self-reflection, um, deepening our relationship with ourselves, with our church, and with Christ. Now, if you were here last week, um, Father Minoj riffed off on uh, his sermon there off of the, um, the phrase, he gets us, right? Based on that ad that was running during the, the, the Super Bowl, and you might have seen it uh, other places there in, in social media, he gets us, that meaning Jesus. Jesus gets us our, in our suffering, our sorrows, um, understands us, sort of lifting up the humanity of Jesus. Father Minoj then ended up that sermon, though, with the question, yes, Jesus gets us, but do we get Jesus? That was the question. Do we get Jesus? And so today we have laid before us stories from the gospel, from the Old Testament, that allow us to, in a sense, get Jesus, to understand what he is truly about, what his mission and his purpose was. We have the story there of Adam and Eve and the serpent in the Garden of Eden, the foundational story in the faith, talking about you know, how sin comes into the world and, and, and all else that goes on with that story. It's a great story. We could have a lot of fun with Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden. Um, in the background... Unmentioned, but still there, apparent in our scriptures is the story of the Israelites on their 40-year journey to the promised land. And at the center of all these stories is Jesus Christ. These stories have within them embedded contrasting themes of obedience and disobedience, of life and death, of sin and the free gift of grace. And as I said, at the center, 
we find Jesus who, as the writer of Hebrews said, has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. He doesn't miss the mark, as it were. That's one definition of sin, missing the mark, like an arrow firing straight, but wavering. But Jesus does not miss the mark. His life points straight and true to his Father. We find him in the wilderness, a place of preparation and formation, where he has just been baptized. And a voice from heaven has proclaimed, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then the same Spirit that opened up and came upon him leads him into the wilderness to be tempted and to be tested by the devil. The wilderness is Christ's crucible. Here he will learn and begin to learn what it means to be God's son in the world of man. These 40 days are a necessary stop along the way to Calvary. Now, some of you may have endured similar times of preparation and formation, not necessarily 40 days, but a certain period of time in which you enter as one thing, one identity, and end as another. You might start with plebe summer, and four years later earn your commission as an ensign. You might enter seminary, as I did, as a junior, and three years later graduate as a master of divinity with an eye to the priesthood. The same process goes on in um, law school, medical school. You enter as one, you exit as another. Those who do a lot of sailing uh, have that phrase, soft seas do not make a good sailor. You need a time of testing. Testing and perhaps temptations. The still small voice that might say to the young plebe, man, can we really conquer the Herndon Monument? <laughs> or in my case, you know, can I really handle another Greek quiz returned to me with red marks all over it? <laughs> but we endure. We have friends, we have fellow travelers, we have classmates. Jesus, however, in the wilderness, is alone. I would invite you to look at the image on the cover of the bulletin to see what that looks like. Alone, in the wilderness, 40 days, with your thoughts, with your doubts, with your prayers. Scripture says that at the end of it all, Jesus was famished. Starving might be the better word. He was weak. And now at the perfect time, here comes the devil with a tantalizing proposal, an easy fix for Jesus' grumbling stomach. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Use your power. Feed yourself. He refused, saying, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Back and forth they went, trading scripture passages. 
And I love the fact that the devil knows scripture too. The devil knows it just as well as Jesus, knows how to twist its meaning to serve his own purposes. And in that, I say, is a cautionary tale for all of us. For how often have we heard the word of God misquoted or wrongly quoted to serve a particular end or to give evil a seal of approval? Too often, I would say. How many times have you heard someone, you know, a politician or somebody come forward and you think, for heaven's sakes, you have to bring Jesus into this? That happens, as they say, a cautionary moment for all of us. And when they're encountered there in the wilderness, the devil, crafty, shrewd, and bold, bold enough to offer Jesus what is not even his to give away, namely the kingdoms of the world. For we know that at the end of Matthew's gospel, there on the mountaintop, with the disciples, Jesus will say, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, the resurrected Christ, because I have gone through the testing. I have been obedient to my Father's will. That Jesus did not yield to temptation is the key. He is not our couple, our couple in the garden, lured by the crafty serpent, nor is he like the Israelites who put God to the test at Mirabah and so were condemned. He is the one whose acts of obedience in the wilderness, in Gethsemane, and on the cross at Calvary brought us back into a right relationship with God, brought us life that does not end at the grave. He is the true expression of God's love. In the verses that just prior to today's passage from Romans, St. Paul writes, God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, brothers and sisters, do you get what Paul is saying? Do you get what Jesus is all about? The New Testament scholar, a gentleman by the name of Donald Hagner, has a two-volume commentary on Matthew and on this particular passage here of the wilderness story. He says, the goal of obedience to the Father is accomplished not by triumphant self-assertion, not by exercise of power and authority, but paradoxically by the way of humility, of service, and of suffering. So do you get Jesus? Do you get that rather than make bread for himself, he became bread for us? Do you get that? Do you get him enough? Trust him enough to let him work in your life so that you too, for that all of us, are given to self-sacrifice, to obedience, and can in our life of discipleship sincerely pray not my will, but thy will be done. And if you are struggling with this idea of discipleship and, and what it's all about and what goes on with that, I would invite you to join Father Minoj in his study of the classic work by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. Do we get Jesus, what he is about, 
what he is in our lives, why he came to us, right? Died for us while yet we were still sinners. God's love made real for us in flesh and blood the power and meaning of the incarnation. Do we get him as we see him in the wilderness? There's another idea along with this that I would like to bring to you concerns the idea of hunger and of being famished. It's one that uh, I'm going to spiritualize a little bit, but I want us to also remember that hunger is real. Jesus there, 40 days fasting, stomach probably turning inside out, that is a real feeling that is endured by millions in our world. Millions. Beginning in our own city, in our state, in our country, in our world. Men, women, children. Who will not eat today? Hunger. Being famished. As I say also, there is a, a spiritual hunger. A yearning for Christ's love and for God's peace. You turn on the, the news or, or, or read the paper, and then if you sort of tune in a little bit just to get behind the story, you can hear there was a yearning for peace. There was a cry that is going up, God, save us from ourselves. Grant us thy grace. Grant us thy peace. Make it stop. We hunger for that. We hunger for that connection with God. And thankfully, in some ways, small, in some ways large, that hunger is being fed. Now I know that the, the numbers and the, the surveys tell us a, a, a bleak story about plummeting church attendance and the rise of the, the non-believers. But consider, on the alternative, that this year, during Lent, the Christian Fellowship Group at St. John's College is in here every Friday meeting in silent prayer. The hungry are being fed. And consider this amazing event that has been going on for the past three weeks at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. A revival. A revival that started after a chapel service. And then it grew. Day after day after day to an estimated 15,000 people every day lining up, being a part of worshiping God, of praising God, of being together, of having their hunger filled. Allison Perfader, who is the student body president, said that uh, there's a young army, a young army of believers who are rising to claim Christianity, the faith, as their own. At one point, 
I'm told, and, and read that this revival was closed off to everyone over the age of 26. That means most of us here would not have been able to get in there. But they wanted to testify to us, us, baby boomers and gen whatevers, want to testify to us that this is a Gen Z moment of the hunger being fed, of the young crying out just like the old cry out. It said that on February 18th, the hashtag Asbury Revival had 63 million views on TikTok. 63 million views. A young army of believers rising to claim Christianity, rising to walk out of the wilderness and to be with Christ. Now, we'll submit that some of them are probably just curious, just wanting to know what the heck's going on here. And some, indeed, were looking to be fed. And this week, the, the university officials moved the revival off campus. And who knows what's, what's next? Perhaps the fever of the moment will pass, and that life, with all of its temptations and its, its testings, will return to normal. But for those young folk, and for all of us who believe God stands ready, the Son stands ready, the Holy Spirit stands ready, all three stand ready as one, mighty to save, to strengthen us, to save us so that we can endure the assaults of temptation, and not only just endure the assaults of temptation, but overcome them and claim the free gift of grace that is brought by the one man, Jesus Christ. As St. Paul lays out, the one man by whose obedience we were receiving the free gift of grace, the one man who did not fall from his temptation, the one man who was not suckered, shall we say, by the devil and his crafty ways, the one man who said, I will give myself for you in your sin to bring you to righteousness, to bring you back to me and to my Father. So again, brothers and sisters, I say, yes, Jesus gets us, and with these stories, and with these understandings, we can say and we must say, Lord, we get you, and we proclaim you, and we carry you into this world, in this time, and in this place, to feed the hungry who are hungry in body, who are hungry in mind, who are hungry in soul, and who are fed by you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.